Hello? Hello, past Alice. It's present day Alice. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Looking forward to the Oscars. Ah, that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, yeah? Yeah, any guesses on Best Supporting Actress? Hmm, I feel like you'd only call if it was a bit of a surprise, so... Hong Chao? No, try again. Hmm, okay, must be Kerry Condon then. No. Ah, Angela Bassett? No, think everything everywhere all at once. Oh, so Stephanie Sue? Try again. Pretty sure that was everyone. Did the girlfriend of Stephanie's character get a nomination and I just missed it? No. Wait, Jamie Lee Curtis won? For everything everywhere all at once? Yes. Beating Kerry Condon and Angela Bassett? Yes. But that doesn't make any sense. I know. Present day Ellis? Yeah? Can I ask you a question? Are you going to ask if we went too far with this joke in the intro in today's episode? Yeah, you know at the beginning I thought this would be a great joke, but now now it just seems... Like bullying. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree more. Actually, it doesn't matter, and she's had a very good career. Her winning doesn't take anything away from the other nominees. Just because the voters thought she should win doesn't make the others less deserving. Right, I'm going to hang up now, because this has gone on for far too long, and podcast Alice needs to ramble about a film for 30 to 40 minutes. Wait, there's three Alices now? Yeah, the premise has fallen apart. Hello, and welcome to Wagon Wheel Coffee Table. It's a film podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Wagon Wheel Coffee Table podcast. I'm your host Ellis. Welcome to episode 14. As promised, uh, we are doing Jurassic Park today. Um, but as you can probably see from the title of this episode, we're going to pit it against uh, Jurassic World. And who knows who's going to win? It's very obvious who's going to win, but this way it's more interesting than just talking about one film because it's difficult to fill at least half an hour just talking about one film. Anyway, so before we get into it, I mean, this week I've been very productive, but also not very productive at all. I've done lots of jobs while I've been off. I've been off at work for a couple of days, and I did some did some very productive things. But I also started a new save on FM twenty three. Um, for those of you who don't know, Football Manager is a football manager game, um, and I started a new save this week, and it's being time consuming. <laughs> I started a new Crystal Palace save. Because um, last year, this is my first FM23 save, so on FM22, I don't know if anyone cares, but this is what I'm interested in this week. Um, last year I had a save with Leicester, which is the only one that I kind of did for like 10 plus seasons. And you know, I, I won the Champions League, I won, I, just, I won everything with it basically, and I got to a point where we were kind of winning every game and... Like, losing the odd game, like, not winning the Champions League every year, but, you know, doing really well, having loads of great players, like, basically my whole team being four or five stars. Um, And I started a save with Crystal Palace on FM22, and I did horribly. Um, And I was like, I kind of want to try the new game, just because it looks slightly different, and I just want to try it out, see how it is. And I watch a lot of Football Manager on YouTube, and... You know, some of the tactics people have been using and some of the players they've been using look quite interesting. Obviously, now I'm using the game when, like, people like Endrick and Shelderup are, like, sold and you can't use them. But 
because um, they're joining other clubs or have joined other clubs. But anyway, so I started with Crystal Palace save. We are smashing it. Um, I was meant to record this, or I was meant to watch Jurassic Park yesterday, um, as in Wednesday, but I got wrapped in because I started the Crystal Palace save. Thought I'd play it for a bit, but then I started. Pl I played it all night because we were amazing. I've been playing a fluid counter-attack 4-3-3 system um, with a Mazala and a centre centre midfielder uh, on support in the middle and with a, a defensive midfielder behind them. And it's been it's been very impressive. We won a lot of our first games. I think we were unbeaten in like our first five, four or five, doing really well. Um, and because we play quite like a, a low block, um, we do really well against good teams. And then, well, we have done really well against good teams and also really well against bad teams. Um, but sometimes we struggle against both. We seem to always be in every game. We're in every single game, which is good. Um, this isn't a football podcast, but this is basically just what I want to talk about this week, so you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, and there'll probably be time codes below if you want to skip this chat. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm really enjoying it. Wilfred Zaha, those of you who know football, know his situation with Crystal Palace. seems like every season he wants to leave and then ends up staying because no one wants to pay for his wages or pay the amount of money that Palace want. And he's, cook he's, he's, he's kicking up a fuss. I'm still in my first season. We're cur it's currently the World Cup, so I'm about halfway through the season. And he's handed in a transfer request. He's been killing it for me off the left, inside forward on support. He's been killing it for me. Uh, he's got, like, I think six goals and six assists in about 15 games, which is pretty good. It's really good, in fact. So he's been doing really well. Um, but now he wants to leave because his contract's up in the summer. And I was like, yeah, I better sell you then, try and get some money. No offers yet, but it's only November, so we'll see if anyone comes in. But that's he's given me, he's been giving me headaches all the time. Like I sold Joel Ward, and he was like, "What the hell are you doing? Buy a right back." I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna buy a right back." Uh, and then I bought a right back, and he just didn't acknowledge it. And then at the end of the transfer window, I was like, "Why didn't you buy a right back?" Like I did. I bought um, Aina, whatever his name is, um, Ola Aina. Is that his name or Aina? Ola? I don't know. The guy I used to play for Chelsea and Fulham. I bought him, um, but yeah, he's still not happy, um, and he's just causing a lot of trouble, and he is my, he's in the team leaders, he's not my captain, because I knew he was going to leave, um, but he's kicking up a fuss, and everyone's either taking his side or not taking his side, and it's causing a bit of a distraction, but I'm hoping to have him gone by the end of the World Cup, like a transfer sort out. And I've got an idea who I want to bring in. I, can't, I want to bring in Marcus Turan because his, con his contract's also up at the end of summer, so I can probably get him for like 15 million. Um, and then I need a left back because Jeffrey Schlupp wants to leave as well. Um, and I need a backup for Mitchell. Um, I really like Football Manager. If you don't, if you can't tell, I love because when I used to play FIFA back in the day, I used to play a lot of Ultimate Team, obviously, in career mode. Um, but from like, I haven't bought a FIFA in a couple of years but when I did because I've been playing Football Manager the last year or so um, yeah when I when I used to play FIFA like probably like two or three years ago I stopped playing Ultimate Team when they, they started like adding those different cards and SBCs and all the kind of thing it was just too much for me I didn't really love it and I didn't really like it enough to get into it so I was just basically playing career mode uh, and I won the Champions League with, was it Notts County or Bury? I think it was Bury. It was when Bury got 
Um, I, I don't know what they. I don't know what the word is for what happened to Bury, but if you're not aware, they like the club doesn't really exist anymore. Um, they kind of went into financial ruin and had to get bailed out. I think I'm not sure what the situation is at the minute. But I basically, when that was all going down, I thought, right, let me start a career mode with them. And usually, career modes I usually last about five years on FIFA because I never really understood like the the regen thing in career in FIFA. But this one lasted for ages, won the Champions League, won the Premier League. I was like, well, if... And I was watching a lot of Football Manager YouTube at the time and Twitch, like Dr. Benji, Zealand, uh, Work the Space, uh, Lelujo, um, all these people. I was watching all these videos and I was like, I should really play... And like Spencer FC played a lot, played a lot of Football Manager. I should really play this game because I really enjoy career mode. And this seems like the hyper version of career mode, the in-depth version of career mode. And you'd have to play the games, which is the most time-consuming part of career mode. So I bought it, and I played it obsessively. FIFA 22, uh, FM22 I played obsessively. And now I'm on FM23. Um, I realised this probably wasn't the best topic to talk about um, with the film podcast. I don't know how, how much crossover there is between listeners of this of this show and Football Manager players. Um, but I just really enjoy the game. I think it's very, like, you can just start playing it and then three hours later you're still playing it and the, where did the time go? It's really good to, like, lose yourself in it. I really enjoy playing it after, like, a stressful day at work or just a long day at work. You just come home and just switch off and just figure out your system. Not, I'm not really bothered. I'm not too into, like, in-depth tactics. Um, I don't, like, analyse games and see where I'm losing positions and where I'm getting overrun and these kinds of things I don't really look into that that much I kind of have a system and I kind of tweak it depending on my players so for someone is someone's playing on the left and their right foot I'll put them inverted instead of just like a winger um or if someone or if my opposition is playing a very narrow formation I'll play down either wing I don't really look into like oh at that corner my player wasn't marking him let me shift him slightly in my corner tactic I don't really do that sort of thing. I'm very I, I'm interested in like transfers and like the narrative of players. Like FM22, my save with Leicester was all about narrative. Like I brought Mares back. I had Neymar at the club at some point. Um, I had Vardy was my uh, was one of my coaches for ages. Smyrkel was one of my coaches for ages. It was all about the story and everything like that. Like I had Harry Kane at one point. Um, I remember one transfer window was Nick Pope and Neymar, and that was the year we won the league for the first time, I think, because I won the Champions League in like 2024, like quite early on, like Mark Albrighton was still in my team, um, but then obviously we didn't win the league for quite a while, um, and that w- it was when Neymar was kind of coming to the end of his PSG contract, it was like ages, like 2028 or 2029, something like that. Um, but yeah, I love like the narrative of Football Manager, and and I don't really care about like beating the game or like using a tactic that uh, is gonna like break the meta of the game and like do really well. I'm more interested in like what style of play do I want to play, what style of play works for these players or for the ambition of this team. Like Crystal Palace, they're really they're really in real life they're really like, or at least under Hodgson, like what I know Palace to be. I don't know if they still are, to be honest, because I don't watch that much Premier League or any football. Like, I only watch Match of the Day, really. 
what I know them to be is quite a, like a counter-attacking, dynamic, quick team with like good technical players. Um, so I kind of instilled pace and counter-attacking football when I became manager. And it seems to be working well so far. And I've made some horrible signs and some good ones. I brought bought the striker from Coventry, like I can't remember, Griscaras, something like that. And he's woeful. I, I paid so much money for him. I paid like six million up front. And then like it's going to rise to 16 million, depending on some things. And he's awful. He hasn't scored yet. Um, and Mateta is banging the goals in. He's like second top goal scorer in the league at the minute. So he's banging them in. Anyway, let's let's continue with the episode. Um, I don't, honestly, don't know why I just spoke about Football Manager um, for 10 minutes. But here we are. Um, I hope you... Had, I mean, you definitely didn't enjoy that. But, you know, this is my show. And I can talk about what I want, okay? But it is... It literally says... On the icon, it's a film podcast, so maybe I should talk about films. Let's get into it. So last week, in last week's episode, I said I was going to do Jurassic Park, and here we are. Um, I was going to watch 65 as well and kind of compare the most iconic dinosaur film with the newest dinosaur film. But I've heard nothing but bad things about 65. Um, so instead, I decided to watch Jurassic World as well. Which is probably on probably on a similar level to sixty five, but I've seen Jurassic World, so I didn't really have to concentrate on it that much, and I could play Football Manager at the same time. And watch my team obliterate Man United. Actually, no, I think we drew against Man United. We beat like Spurs and Chelsea. Anyway, I watched Jurassic Park first. It's probably a disservice to Jurassic World that I watched Jurassic Park first, but I mean, we all know that Jurassic Park is probably one of the greatest films ever made. I would definitely back it in the argument. I think it's definitely up there in terms of like a blockbuster, like Spielberg is, is at his best. Did I just say Spielberg wrong? I said Spielberg instead of Spielberg. <laughs> anyway, it's one of the most iconic films of all time. So many iconic lines, like they do move in herds. You were so consumed with, if you, if you could do it, you didn't think if you should do it or something like that. If you could do it, if you should do it. I, it's so iconic, I can't remember it. But there's so many iconic moments, so many just groundbreaking moments. And what I actually quite like about Jurassic Park, and this is probably, if it was a worse film, I'd probably dislike these things, is that it's imperfect. I think because it's like an older film, but also like with the CGI and all this sort of stuff, that has adds a bit of charm to it. So there's the, there's the famous bit where when the T-Rex attacks for the first time when it's raining in the dark it comes over the railing and then later on in the scene you they go back over that railing and suddenly it's like a 30 foot drop and then later on when ellie gets there she like hops over the wall and is suddenly at the car so like it's not a 30 foot drop anymore so obviously this doesn't make any sense with continuity but i don't know i quite like that I don't know who it was, maybe Spielberg or whoever it was, was like, this just needs to work for the story. And people are going to be too wrapped up in how cool this giant dinosaur looks in 1993. It doesn't really matter if this happens because the scene is still iconic. The scene is still incredibly awe-inspiring and amazing and gripping and scary and ten- the tension with the the like the thudding in, with the um, the ripples of the water in in the glass and in the 
puddle. Like the, all these things just make it so it doesn't matter that it that scene doesn't really make sense continuity wise. Um, and to be honest, I might not even noticed if it wasn't for that just being in pop culture ether that that you know it's quite famous that that's a big continuity error. Like if that wasn't like a big thing in pop culture or or in I don't know. But yeah, if that wasn't such a big thing, then maybe we wouldn't notice because it's such an amazing film and an amazing um, scene. Um, I was just going to talk about Jurassic Park and then Jurassic World, but I think it's probably worth just talking about both at the same time. So I think the problem I have with Jurassic World, I think the first time I watched it, I didn't mind it. I thought it was fine. I think it's probably very similar to the force awakens i'd probably prefer the force awakens and obviously they're very i think they're quite similar to compare so you have the original jurassic park and a new hope and you have a force awakens and jurassic world they're quite similar even though probably empire strikes back is the more iconic star wars film um whereas jurassic park is kind of the only good jurassic park film um even though the second and third have their merits i know um However, I think it has Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, sorry, has a similar issue to Force Awakens, where it's basically the same story beats and the same, like, lessons as the first one. Like, obviously, they try and hide it with the park is now open. I like that that is the angle of Jurassic World, the park is open, like, they've done it this time. That's a good way of uh, uh, rebooting, it's not reboot, it's a sequel, but, like, it's a good way of rebooting the the franchise. Like, it, they're do, it, this is now something that we haven't seen before, and it's something that was just like a possibility in the first one um, with Hammond's original idea. However, they do retread a lot of the same things. Um, obviously, Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt. I think he does a fine job in this. It's kind of... I can't remember if this is before or after Guardians, but it's around the similar time and it's him kind of, I don't know, rebranding himself on the Parks and Rec guy. I don't know. I don't really know. But anyway, he's fine in it. He's very, like, nothing in it. He kind of does the job. He's kind of the cool Indiana Jones type. And I think Bryce Dallas Howard does a fine job as well. Um, I do like the scene of her running with the flare in front of the t-rex even though she couldn't possibly outrun a t-rex obviously it's akin to jeff goldblum running in front of the t-rex in the first one um and she's running in heels by the way which i swear to god just take off the heels just because chris pratt points out that she's wearing silly shoes doesn't mean that she should continue to wear silly shoes all i can see in that scene is god bryce dallas howard must be hating that just just give it some like I don't know just some converse or something I don't know just all make her go barefoot no that's probably not fair but just I don't know just anything but heels it doesn't make any sense that she's out running a t-rex in heels <laughs> like a t-rex can run like 40 miles per hour like let's not let's not let's not kid ourselves here anyway although I like that scene I think Bryce Dallas Howard's character retraced a lot of Alan in the first um Jurassic Park because obviously the first Jurassic Park is basically about a man becoming a 
becoming more accustomed to the idea of wanting to have children. Um, that's what the story's about. That's what it's really about. It's about fatherhood and children and how at the beginning he doesn't like children, doesn't get on with them, um, but they seem to love him because he like he's he's a he's a, um, a genius when it comes to dinosaurs and kids typically love dinosaurs. And it's about him becoming a better father and becoming better prepared for fatherhood. And they try and do that in Jurassic World with Bryce Dallas Howard's character, where at the minute she doesn't really care about the children, and then at the end she's all, you're never getting out of my you're never leaving my sight ever. And I think it's fine, but like, don't do the same thing but badly. You're just pointing out everything wrong with your film. Like, if you're doing the same thing as you're doing in Jurassic Park, you're just showing everyone that this isn't as good. And I think that's the problem with sequels and reboots, is that if you tread too closely to the original, it just points out that yours isn't the original. Like, Jurassic World could have been something about something else. Like, pick something else that it's about. Don't pick it again about you know, parenthood. It just seemed lazy. It seemed lazy that it's about parenthood. Or that they had the idea... This seems like more of a studio film, obviously. Like, the original is like a Spielberg film. It's iconic. It's... The music's incredible. All these things. It's original, which is, you know, another story when it comes to Jurassic World. But this one just seemed like they had the idea of the park is now open. We need We need something to ground it. Oh, Jurassic Park was about fatherhood. This one can be about motherhood. Um, it just seems lazy. And it seems studio-like tacked on. Or like bad writing tacked on. Where they've just decided that this is what it needs to be about. And they need to ground it in some way. And they're just looking at the first one. Like, oh, what made what made the first one that little bit more special? Yes, it's about dinosaurs. Yes, it's awe-inspiring. But, okay, it's about fatherhood. This one can be about motherhood. It just seemed lazy. I think what's good about the first one, like the antagonist is always changing. What is what I really like um, in the first one, which I think could be a weakness. In a worse film, it could be a weakness. But it's always changing. Like, to be honest, Hammond could be the antagonist of the first one if you want to look at it that way. He created this park. He doesn't seem to really care about the safety of his grandchildren he seems just, he's very blinded by, and they do address it in the film, he's blinded by um, dinosaurs. Like, he's blinded by just the amazing feat of, of, of scientific feat that he's been able to achieve with his team. And obviously, they kind of comment on it when Ellie and Alan are also blinded by it, but then come to the realisation that, yeah, this is dangerous. So, but also, there's an antagonist of uh, the, the guy who's stealing the embryos to sell them to a competitor, I guess. And obviously, the antagonist can also be the raptors, the T-Rex, all these things. I mean, the T-Rex end up being, quote-unquote, the hero at the end. But there's all, like, at each point in the film, there's a different antagonist, which I really like, actually. Like, the looming threat of the dinosaurs is enough, which is kind of what they try and do in Jurassic World. In Jurassic World, they, obviously, they want, there's a new creature to, I don't know, get customers in or something like that. And that that get that gives a more clear antagonist. It's like this one creature is the the evil figure, and we've got to kill it. We've got to stop it. Everything else is 
like there's these like small baddies like the head of the military and the scientists from the foot from Jurassic Park and all these things but it, it, there's still like a clear antagonist of this um, new dinosaur that they've created and it's just not as good it's just not as interesting like the dinosaurs shouldn't be the bad guys really I don't think because they try and do it I think at the time when I f- I'm sorry again I'm all over the place but when I first watched Jurassic World I quite liked the moment where the T-Rex comes to save the day again and the raptors kind of change their mind and also save the day or blue does anyway but this time it just felt cringy it just felt like oh T-Rex is the hero again right we're doing this again um Oh, but this time they're working with the raptors. And it's so cringy when they kill the new, whatever it's called, the new Rex or whatever it is. I can't remember what it's called. Um, when that gets eaten by the, the swimming one. I'm sure you know the, like, 10-year-old me would have known all the answer, not all the names of these uh, animals. Anyway, when that's, when that, when the antagonist is dead, there's like a like a nod between the T-Rex and the Velociraptor of like respect. Um and it's like come on, let's let's not take their bits here. These are animals, this is not gonna happen. And then there's like a nod of respect between Chris Pratt and Blue, and it's like yeah, let's again, let's not take the piss. But you know, in the the first time I watched it I was like, This is a cool moment, but now it just seems cringy. It definitely isn't as scary as the first one. And I think that comes down to a few things. I think it comes down to it not being as practical. I think you get a lot of like fear from the fact that in the first one they use practical effects. And in order to use practical effects, it means you have to like hide certain things and like only show the dinosaur in full sparingly. And that gives it an edge, like an air of mysteriousness. Whereas in this one, they can just show the dinosaur in full chasing you. And it's not really as impactful. And yeah, they kind of get they kind of get the scale right with like the, when you first see it. Where it's like the camera's just on Chris Pratt and you can just see the legs in the background and that kind of thing. But it's just not as good. It's just not as scary. Like Jurassic Park should... Like, you should watch that for the first time when you're, like, seven or eight, and it should scare you. That's what should happen. I don't think people are scared of Jurassic World. I don't think a seven- or eight-year-old is going to watch Jurassic World and be scared, where I think they'd probably watch Jurassic Park and be scared. I don't know. Just there's a lot of cringy moments in Jurassic World where it tries to be cool, and you can just tell that it's trying to be cool. Like, with Chris Pratt on a motorcycle going through a forest apparently that's as flat as <laughs> flat as flat as tarmac because this motorcycle is just driving normally um that's just see that's just trying to look make chris pratt look cool and make the moment look cool where he's like riding with the velociraptors obviously nick miller got on nick miller jake johnson's in this film he, he honestly he's one of my favorite parts of this film he's very like comic reliefy but you know i don't really care because i like I like New Girl, I like Nick Miller, and I like Jake Johnson. Um, he does a good job. What I will what I will give credit for, for Jurassic World, and it's a very small moment, is that, so, growing up, I was a big dinosaur fan. And once I'd learned that most dinosaurs probably had feathers, I would point that out to everyone. 
and I would have a problem with Jurassic Park. So I was like, these velociraptors aren't even velociraptors. If you didn't know, like velociraptors are were the size of chickens, and the the raptors that are kind of modelled off in the first one are. Um, so I had to Google it. I knew the name vaguely, but I had to Google it. Um, Dyn, 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 Dynonychus. Um, they're bigger um, than 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 velociraptors. Um, and once I learned that, I was like, oh, this movie's trash. <laughs> As when I was younger. No, I didn't think that. But, you know, it kind of taints it a little bit. But now I don't really care. Um, so, what? Uh, getting to my point, what I did like about um, Jurassic World was that the scientist guy says, these animals look what... I can't remember exactly what he says, but what he basically means is, these animals look like the idea of what people think these animals look like, not what they actually look like. And that kind of made me relax a little bit and kind of like <laughs> kind of just switched that part of my brain off where I was like oh okay they understand even though it's like a trick a studio trick or a script trick of just like getting um dinosaur experts off their back but it just made me go oh, okay so they understand that none of these animals actually look like this um like the velociraptors look nothing like this but okay they understand they're going for what the general public knows velociraptors to look like okay i see i see i see so i like that um and actually i want to talk about another film quickly called uh, the mitchells versus the machines uh which is a lord and miller i think it's their productions um studio um i can't remember who it's directed by or written by um but it's, uh, lord and miller did into the Spider-Verse and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a film, and the younger brother in that film, it's a really good, on, if no one's, I feel like nobody watched that film, but it's an excellent, excellent film. And the younger brother in that is obsessed with dinosaurs. And he kind of is pointing out that, like, they should actually have feathers. Um, and I don't know, I just wanted to say that I appreciate that as well. Um, because I am that guy that will say that. Like, I haven't been to the Natural History Museum in London for a while, but I can guarantee you that I'd see a raptor and I see a vo- like a velociraptor or something like that. I'm sure they probably changed it in Natural History Museum, but I'd be like, uh, this actually should have feathers. Um, and I've probably been watching Jurassic Park with somebody at some point and said, um, actually, uh, these were actually the size of chickens and had feathers um, and actually hunted in packs of like 20. Um, so this is actually factually incorrect which is true <laughs> but obviously that doesn't make for a good film um and it used to taint Jurassic Park for me but now I kind of take off that hat and just accept that this is an incredible film and that you know to make a film more interesting like the name Velociraptor is more iconic than the name Dinonychus or whatever it was I like that about Jurassic World that it, it acknowledged that problem um, but that doesn't make up for the fact that it's not a very good film. Um, I haven't actually seen much of, or any of, the second and third Jurassic World. I just didn't really care for it. I liked the trailer for Jurassic World 2. Can't remember the name. Um, Fallen Kingdom, I think it's called. 
I like the name of uh, not the name. I liked the trailer because it was kind of like the the trailer was kind of like a horror film. I was like, oh, this is a really interesting take on it. But then it was just it just looked like another retelling of Jurassic World, Jurassic Park two, like that animals make it to civilization, which you know is a shame. But we'll 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 get there. We'll get there, guys. Um, I might watch Jurassic Park two, Jurassic World two and three at some point. If I if I have a, f- a spare couple of hours, but it's just not really something I want to do, and I don't want to ruin the characters of Jurassic Park as well, because because you know like Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and Laura Dern, like those are iconic characters and iconic actors for this franchise, and they come back later on, and it's just it's just not the same. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna watch them. Um, but I will talk about them as characters for a bit, actually, because Sam Neill, you know, is the classic stoic protagonist. Um, he's obviously, the, I really like that character. He's like the linchpin. He's the thing that grounds it, you know, coming to terms with being a father, stuff that we talked about. Jeff Goldblum is incredible in the first, he like he kind of takes a backseat in the second part of the film, but in the first part, he's incredibly charming and really funny. Um, and he's, he's he's the only guy that's like, this park is a bad idea. This is bad. Everyone should leave. Let's shut this place down. Let's fucking nuke it. I, he doesn't say that, but, you know, that's kind of his sentiment. It's like, f- life finds a way. They will breed, you know. Let's let's not, let's, let's cut the crap. Let's get off this place. And I respect him for that. And then Laura Dern, uh, Laura Dern's character, Ellie, is... Ellie seems definitely seems like one of them, and it's sad that she takes a backseat in uh, future Jurassic Park films. Um, and kind of, and Alan Grant gets the the center of attention. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe she just didn't want to do it. But I just love it's like I just loved her. <laughs> I loved her. Like growing up, she was cool. She was badass. She she fucking fought Velociraptors and she was cool. But yeah, I I really I I think her character's amazing. I think she's strong and I think she. There are parts where it's like. Like they 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 seem to not be sure how to take how to do a strong female character properly sometimes where, like, Hammond goes. Oh, I should do that because I'm a man, and. Laura Dern's character goes let's 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 talk about sexism when I get back like I'll do this I'll go and save the day which is good but then there's also parts where she has to be saved um and obviously you know people can be saved without it being to do with gender um but it's just it's just a a something I noticed um so I think she is like a strong female character um and an important one in film history that you know, I don't know, I think, I just think she's important, obviously I'm not a girl, so I don't know, when I was growing up, I wasn't, like, you know, searching for female role models on, in film, but I, I can see why a lot of young girls, um, young women, were gravitated towards her, and her character, um, and I think that's a testament, and I think, for a film that you know, it's probably directed to, a, like, to tailor to a lot of boys. Like, it's about dinosaurs. That's classically what boys, young boys are interested in. I know, obviously, some girls are interested in that well, but, you know, it's... 
I think dinosaurs, from my experience, were more popular with boys growing up than they were girls. Um, it's very intriguing that she's she had such a Laura Dern's character has such an impact in this kind of male film or male led film at least with Sam Neill leading it and Jeff Goldblum being this incredibly charismatic guy. Even though Bryce Dallas Bryce Dallas Howard's character is the central character in Jurassic World, I would suggest that Laura Dern's character in Jurassic Park is more of a strong female character um i don't know if people will agree with that or not but that's just kind of the impression i get um yeah yeah that's kind of the impression i get um you know let me know what you guys think because i think it's an interesting subject how you know it's it's the same film but it's made 20 years later so it's interesting to see how the roles change and what's important and if I don't know because it's just it's just annoying that Chris Pratt gets the attention, you know. Like Bryce Dallas Howard is kind of one of the is a central character in Jurassic World, but yeah, it's kind of it's Chris Pratt's franchise. Like Jurassic World is his franchise, and it's just a shame that he's the one that they've kind of latched onto with the franchise rather than Bryce Dallas Howard. And it makes sense because he's got Guardians, he's got all these things, and you know Bryce Dallas Howard is a. a very impressive director and all these kinds of things so it makes sense from like a monetary point of view it's just disappointing and the same happened with Jurassic Park like I don't know Laura might not have wanted to do anymore but obviously Sam Neill gets Lost World and then Jeff Goldblum gets um number three or the other way around I can't remember um but yeah it's I don't know what I'm trying to say but I think I got my point across (laughs) I don't know if there's much I want also want to say about these films. Um, I did. I don't find the kids annoying in either of the films. I'm not sure if that's something that people find, but I don't really find either of the set, the two kids annoying uh, in either of the films. Um, I th- I've heard that people find the kids annoying in Jurassic Park, but I don't really find that. I think they're pers- purposefully kind of uh, naive, obviously because they're kids. But then the the kitchen scene is incredible. Like, I don't know. Do you, you think about Jurassic World and nothing iconic comes to mind for me. Maybe Bryce Dallas Howard running in front of the, ter- the T-Rex with a flare. Um, maybe the big fish uh, dinosaur, I should know the name of, eating the, the evil dinosaur, in quotes. Um... But there's not that much. There's nothing that compares with the T-Rex attack, the first T-Rex attack, um, the Velociraptors in the kitchen, um, the first time they see the Brachiosaurus, which I haven't even talked about that scene yet. It's incredible. Like The happy feeling that I get when that scene plays and the music swells. Oh, the music. We haven't even talked about the music yet. Oh, my God. John Williams is a god. An absolute god. This... The theme song in Jurassic Park. Just listen. I don't know if I'd like this film as much if it wasn't for the theme song. It just is so perfect. At the beginning, when they're flying in the helicopter and the, the music plays, you haven't even seen a dinosaur yet, and it's playing. And then when you see the Brachiosaurus, it just swells and it's incredible. But then, in the Jurassic World, they play the music whilst they're like going through the theme park, and it just doesn't have the same effect. Like, arriving 
at Jurassic Park in Jurassic World. Arriving at the theme park, just... And I know they're kind of putting across the commercialization of it, obviously. But I want some sort of, like, epic scope. An epic, like, impressiveness when it comes to the thing. But just showing a wide shot of this theme park with the music playing just doesn't do anything for me. I don't feel anything when it comes to that. But yet I feel something when there's this, like, oh, what are we going to see? And obviously something to do with that is that it's Jurassic Park, it's iconic, like the nostalgia and the, um, the, like the, like it's in pop culture ether, that adds to it, I know, that adds to it, but I think if someone watched Jurassic Park the first time without knowing anything, in the scene where they're flying through the, the island on the helicopter for the first time, I think that would make you feel something with the music. Whereas at the beginning of Jurassic World, going to the theme park for the first time and they're playing the music, I don't think you'd feel anything. And that's the difference, I think. It just, it feels a lot more like sterile and feels modern. Like there isn't, like films were better in the 80s and 90s. That's just on, that's just how it is and how it always will be. Like, Spielberg in the 90s is better than Jurassic World in 2015 or whenever it was, you know? It's just it's just the unfortunate unfortunate um, aspect of it all. Um, and I wish... I wish there was good Jurassic Park films, man. It's I wish it so much. Like, I wish I got my Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> you know? I don't know if that makes any sense, but I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, but obviously a lot of people like it. Who were not only fans of dress of Top Gun, but also like not fans of Top Gun, but love Top Gun Maverick. Like, I wish Jurassic World was was as good as like I, I wish it even held anything to Jurassic Park. Like, I wish I just it's just because I love Jurassic Park so much. I think it's a very important film for me. I think it's a very important film for film history in terms of how it developed CGI and animatronics and all these kinds of things. It's a very important film and I wish the more modern films did it justice. And I think they were trying to do it justice with them finding the original um, Jurassic Park base when they were getting attacked by the dinosaur um, with the music, with then returning characters later on. And with like the T-Rex saving the day again and all these kinds of things. Like they do try and respect or try and play homage. But it just feels like either copying or half-offing it. <laughs> yeah. It it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't sit well. I think it's a fine action film. But apart from that, it's it doesn't make you feel anything. And Jurassic Park makes you feel everything. And that's probably to do with nostalgia, and it's and you can't create nostalgia. You can't. Well, you probably can. To be honest, Stranger Things has built an entire um, TV show out of it, but it's very difficult. Like Jurassic Park was a hit at the time, obviously, but now it's got this like legendary um, atmosphere around it, whereas which you can't buy. You can't get that. Um, but you get that if you make a good 
a good fucking film. And they didn't make a good film with Jurassic World. So, I don't know. And honestly, these podcasts recently, I think I need more structure to them. Um, I don't know if this is, I'm kind of pivoting now to another topic, but I just realised I've been talking for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and it's just, it's a bit all over the place. And maybe I should add a bit more structure to these things, like... Usually what I do is I just start recording, turn on the microphone, and just see what comes out. I, like, have a few things that I want to say, but just kind of see what see what comes out of my mouth. And that can, I think that's good, because we talk about different things. Like, last week I was talking about war and terrorism, and, you know, and then we spoke about, like, um, the screen films and all these things. Like, it pivots in so many different ways, but... Maybe when it comes to talking about a certain film in particular, I should add more structure. Like maybe talk about the production more or talk about the history of the films that I'm talking about, when they came out, who directed it, who started it, all these kind of things. Even though I've spoken about that, maybe it's good to set it up. I don't know. I'm just kind of spit, I'm just kind of talking out loud right now, but I think maybe that would be good. And But also I don't want... That makes it feel like I'm trying to be something that this show isn't. Like I quite like the improvised improvise nature of this show. Like, so for example, um, I listen to a podcast called The Weekly Planet. It's an incredible podcast. It's about films, um, mostly like comic book movies, but also they do some other stuff. Um, and they also have a he has a YouTube channel, Mister Sunday Movies, and they do Caravan of Garbage, where they talk about. Um, like films from the past or things from the past that relate to things coming out now. And that's kind of what I do. So I'm talking about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World because 65 is coming out. So I've taken inspiration there. And what they do really well with their Caravan of Garbage series is that they kind of have a bit of structure where they have like green trivia. They have um, like they talk about box office. They talk about like the production of it, how it came to be. Um, production issues maybe that have happened, you know, arguments that happened or any issues that were on during the production of it, all these kinds of things. And that's enjoyable and they have structure to it and you know what you're getting. And obviously they've been doing, you know, the podcast for like 10 years and the videos for years as well. So obviously they honed that style. Um, But sometimes I think that that's a good way of doing it. But I also don't want to, I want to be kind of myself and I feel like, the thing I like about this show is that I can just kind of talk them, talk, put on the microphone and talk about whatever I want when it comes to this film and just speak whatever comes into my head Maybe and make some notes if I have some notes while I'm watching the films. But that kind of be the only structure I have. And at the beginning of this episode, I talk about Football Manager for 10 minutes. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if I want to grow an audience or if I want to keep people engaged, I shouldn't be talking about Football Manager. Because the crossover between Football Manager and films is probably not that great. I mean, maybe I should do a Football Manager film, but, you know, it's... I like that I can just talk about anything. And, like, obviously I'm talking about films, but, like, at the beginning of the show I can talk about anything. Then I can kind of talk talk about whatever I want during the main part of the show. And at the end, I can do what I want as well. I like that it's... I can just turn it on, turn on the mic and just do anything. And now I don't know why I'm talking about this. I just, I feel like at the end of a lot of these episodes, I kind of deconstruct what I've just done and deconstruct the show as a whole. Um, and maybe that's interesting. I don't know. 
I think it's I think it's a bit of transparency as well like this is a new show like I'm not a podcaster this is the first time I've done this I'm 14 episodes in like I've been doing this for a few months but like this I'm new to this and I I want to talk about the process I want to talk about my thoughts about the podcast and how it's going and what I'm feeling about it because I feel like that's interesting and like a little peek behind the curtain even though this is a plucky little podcast I think things like this are interesting like behind the scenes of films and kind of people talking about their process when it comes to you know podcasts or even like YouTube videos or things like this anything creative I find it really interesting and I think it kind of adds a layer of like relatability or just an understanding between creator and the one who's engaging in that in that product um i don't know i'm deconstructing this a lot i think ever since i no no ever since i started therapy but like i'm very someone who's kind of always analyzing what i'm doing and how's it how people what people thinking about it um what are people thinking about me all these kinds of things and i think this just kind of manifests itself in at the end of every episode having like a debrief and having like a deconstruction of how the episode went what i think went well you know did i ramble too much but instead of doing that on my own separately when i'm editing or anything like that i'm doing it for 10 minutes at the end of each of each episode um but now i'm going to tell myself to stop uh, because <laughs> no i think that's enough for now so yeah thank you so much for listening leave a rating leave a review um tell your friends share do whatever you like or or don't you know do you you do you do you you do you um but thank you so much for listening you'll hear me next week